Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So neighbors, in doing a show about the Flying Saucer Investigators, a new book by our guest Charles Lear, and our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. In doing this book, I was thinking of people I knew over the years, and I'm thinking of the time that I met Charles Berlitz. Now, that's kind of after the book that Charles did, Charles Lear rather than Charles Berlitz, who's no longer with us. And I was thinking here of a time I did a TV show with him, and he was looking for the annotated edition of the case for the UFO, which I happen to have and I loaned it to him. And he decided to ask me about material he wanted for his book, The Philadelphia Experiment. So we had many, many lunches, which he paid for because he could. No money, just lunches. And a few times I visited him at his home in Glen Cove, New York, and his office was a converted ship's cabin. Fascinating. Very cool. That sounds amazing. He was definitely a character. And I guess partly the blame for the Roswell legend because he co-wrote the book with William Moore on that. But that will be a topic for our premium show after the Paracast because Kurt has a really fascinating piece on his Blue Blurry Lines site about it. Instead, the Flying Saucer Investigators focuses on the people of the early days. Charles, first, you're not related to the other Lears, are you? No. Uh, well, actually, I, I've heard distantly, but not closely enough to have benefited financially. Well, you have my sympathies. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm not related to any rich people named Steinberg, although my late brother Wally came close, but he died too soon. Anyway, you start by the very beginning, the late 40s, talking about the origins of the modern UFO field. How did you get involved in this? Well, I've been writing a weekly blog for Martin Willis over at Podcast UFO for going on four years now. He said, Charles, you've got an awful lot of material. Why don't you put it together in a book? I thought that'd be a good idea. And he said, uh, you know, I'll contact Philip Mantle. I said, oh, that sounds good. Okay. I got the idea to write a book about the Flying Saucer Investigators. And uh, I pitched the idea to Philip and uh, signed a contract. Off we went. Actually, I think I was already writing the book before I even contacted Philip. But yeah, so that's the genesis of it. I think you did a great job on things. And, and while this is not strictly a UFO history, anyone who's read a UFO history book will really benefit from this because it, it brings the people, the investigators, to life. And you kind of see the cases through their eyes. So I, I thought it was a really good, really good way to put some faces to the stories. Well, thank you so much. Praise from Caesar. <laughs> They just uh, researching. They really came alive for me, uh, and I, I have got quite an affection for all of them. Uh, you know, the the relationship between Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver uh, was really just heartwarming. Uh, the uh, rivalries and uh, back and forth between uh, Cora Lorenzen and Jim Mosley and uh, the fake feuds with uh, Gray Barker and Jim Mosley. I mean, all that stuff was really fun. Um, and then along the way, you got flying saucers. What's better than that? 
Well, you know, Carl Lorenzen of APRO hated me. Oh, I'm sure she had, okay. uh, had it in for a number of people. Well, it's one story I've told, and I'll just be brief about it because this is about your book, not about me, where I had a small magazine UFO reporter in the mid-60s, and I ran a summary of an article she wrote for Fate magazine on the case involving the Sakara, New Mexico sightings with a photograph of the witness. And I ran a summary of that, and she got ticked off and said I should give her $100 for permission to write the summary. And I kind of reminded her as a teenager, hey, it's fair use. And so I didn't hear from her. Ten years later, 1975, Fort Smith, Arkansas, they had a UFO convention where everybody and anybody was there. Keo was there. Lorenzo was there. Richard Hall was there. I don't know if John Keel was or not. I don't recall. In any case, I was there with Kurt Southerly, a person who had written for my early magazine, Cappy at MTOR. And we ran across Carl Lorenzen and Jim Lorenzen. Now, Jim was very gracious, said hello. Carl Lorenzen looked at me when I tried to shake her hand and said, oh, you're the guy who 10 years ago, etc., etc. <laughs> Well, that's holding a grudge. <laughs> Didn't understand it. But even worse, it kind of takes away from her reputation as being one of the really, really thorough UFO investigators of the early years that she held this out. Now, I understand with Jim Mosley, because Jim Mosley invited that kind of response by nature of what he did. So, so I want to before we get too much in, into those personalities, these were both um, kind of uh, some people who came in just a little later than the the uh, the late forties and it, the advent of the flying saucer clubs. So, so Charles, tell us about kind of what led to the development of these clubs and then these contentious personalities that that championed some of them. Uh, well, the. Um the, the first actual paid flying saucer investigator was Kenneth Arnold himself, who uh, I, I hope I don't have to repeat who he is to your listeners. Uh, but, okay, after he had his June 24th, 1947 sighting over Mount Rainier of nine uh, unidentified flying objects, um, he was contacted by Ray Palmer, who wanted him to look into the Maury Island incident. So he uh, he stepped in it big time with that and uh, got in and over his head, and uh, uh, that's a mess all in itself. But along the way, a bunch of flying saucer clubs had, you know, developed. Uh, there were more clubs uh, than serious investigators. Uh, but the first person to put together an investigation group was uh, well, actually. Uh, Carl Lorenzen put together APRO a little before, uh, I'm about to mention, uh, Albert K. Bender and the International Flying Saucer Bureau. So they both put theirs together, uh, their investigation groups, uh, very close together, I think within a few months. I think it was 1954, if I'm correct. Um, and Albert K. Bender's group was the first to go international. So he... Uh, people, I think he had people in Australia, New Zealand, um, of course, Canada and Europe. Um, so that was an international bureau. 
but I think it was a little overwhelming for Bender and uh, the um, him telling a story of being visited by three men in black who told him to uh, be quiet about uh, flying saucers um, uh, and uh, recommending he, him deciding to shut down the uh, International Flying Saucer Bureau because of that. Um well, led to the closing of the International Flying Saucer Bureau. Uh, but APRO very shortly uh, became international as well and developed a huge network. Um, and uh, they lasted until 1988. Uh, then I, 1956, I believe, uh, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena formed. Uh, they... Uh, Thomas, uh, I think T. Townsend. Uh, I think, yes, Townsend uh, Brown. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, uh, T. Thompson Brown. Uh, yeah, he uh, was the head uh, for a short period of time. Uh, he was ousted. Uh, rumors uh, are that uh, he was. Uh, one of the rumors is that he was siphoning money off for his uh, anti-gravity experiments. Charles Lear. Writing a book about flying saucer investigators with Gene and Kircher in The Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Here's a question for you. Why is it that some people aren't as stressed out about the future as you'd think they'd be? Answer? They're probably among the millions of Americans who have prepared themselves with emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. If the worst ever happens, literally millions of American families are already protected from dealing with empty store shelves. Is yours? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and grab some emergency food kits, at least one for each member of your family. These kits give you a wide variety of delicious meals that average over 2,000 calories per day. Everything stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Order your kits now by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your order will ship fast and arrive discreetly in unmarked boxes. Listen, this is something you need to jump on now, before the next news headline stuns the world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. 
frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this... Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. The early days of the UFO field, talking about the creation of NICAP. And Townsend Brown was ousted, apparently, as you say, Charles Lear, because of allegedly siphoning money from the coffers. Now, Keogh ran into problems managing the money of NICAP years later, but maybe we can get to that. But how was the transition here? Townsend Brown was ousted, then Keogh took over. What was the process? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was voted in by the board. Um, and uh, he actually uh, had a profile already. He wrote the first uh, flying saucer, uh, the first article on flying saucers and the first full book on flying saucers. Uh, flying saucers are real. Um, I think that was uh, published, I think it's early as 1952. 1950. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that, but before oh, yeah, we go any uh, further with, with Donald Kehoe. So another book written the same year was Frank Scully's Behind the Flying Saucers. Yes. Uh, and uh, so those were both bestsellers. So I've got a couple questions for you about that. Did these men get rich and famous? And how did that establish the ideas about UFOs to the public? I don't know about super rich and super famous. Uh, they made him some money, and Scully did quite well. Uh, I, his was, I, th- I think both those books were bestsellers, so that they, I'm sure they did well. But um, um, 
I'm sorry. What, uh, what was the other part of the question? I wanted to talk. I wanted you to uh, say a little bit about their influence. Uh, so now Donald Kehoe had a right. had a, and he thought there was a military cover up, and so did Scully. But his was a little deeper and stranger. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, Scully lost a lot of credibility when uh, J.P. Kahn, investigative reporter, wrote a uh, an article on the whole. As the, the, basically, Scully's book covered an alleged flying saucer crash at Aztec, New Mexico. And J.P. Kahn's article pretty much exposed that uh, as a hoax by two con men who were um, – Selling, uh, basically bringing prospectors out with uh, to oil fields with which with what is called a doodle bug, which is a they claimed could find oil, and they would get uh, they would get people to invest in oil leases, uh, and they claimed that their doodle bug uh, was built using technology from a crash flying saucer. <laughs> so JP Con pretty well exposed this, and it also led to people he sought people to come out and prosecute uh, it's Silas Newton and uh, uh, Leo Gebauer were the uh, two uh, con men involved uh, he, he encouraged people to come out and prosecute before the statute of limitations ran out and uh, someone did come forward I think uh, they took him to the tune of $300,000 in uh, what 1950s money uh, so uh, he was prosecuted. They were prosecuted, and uh, they were found guilty. Uh, so I think that pretty much Scully definitely took a beating on that one. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Kehoe um, that gave him a good reputation in the public as far as his views on flying saucers go, and uh, his when he got his position in NICAP, he was very high profile. So, you know, Scully uh, faded into obscurity and uh, Kehoe went high profile. You know, it's interesting here about Frank Scully. In the early days of Jim Mosley's Saucer News, Mm -hmm. Scully wrote an article trying to refute Khan's article. Don't know if he did it that well, but I do recall the article being rather short. Later on, other researchers tried to resurrect Aztec. Like Scott Ramsey, for example. Scott Ramsey wrote a book on the subject, appeared on the PowerCast a number of times. I think the evidence was threadbare. I can go into other reasons why it was so threadbare, but yeah, he the really point is here that it's on, like... I'm sorry. It's he like really hangs, hangs his argument on the credibility of Silas Newton. So, you know, that's, that's pretty rough. Understood. And this is the, the problem there with Aztec. It became the kind of case like Dracula... You drive a stake through its heart, and it comes back. Yeah, that's ufology. (laughs) But let's go on with Kehoe and NICAP. Okay. Well, um, yeah, Kehoe, uh, from the get-go, had been accusing the uh, government, uh, the the Air Force in particular, of uh, hiding uh, flying saucer secrets, uh, not telling the public everything they knew. And he got right to work trying to pry it loose. Uh, and, you know, Mosley accused, a lot of people, but Mosley in particular accused them of being more lobbyists than investigators. Uh, so, you know, he they really worked Congress trying to get um, the Air Force uh, to um, 
you know, get in there, testify, and uh, come clean about what they knew. Uh, so that was a, a lot of their effort. Uh, but they also did some amazing investigations. I got a chance to uh, uh, visit uh, David Marler and go through his archives. And, you know, the, well, you can also find those archives online. They're still at NICAP.org. I think Fran Ridge is maintaining that. Um and you can find these files, and they're wonderful. They've got, you know, original newspaper clippings from the time. They've got uh, witness uh, testimony, um, uh, corroborating evidence, um, documents. I mean, they're they're amazing. So they did do that, and they also did have a um, a network of subcommittees who were able to. You know, these people in different states and different areas of the world could get right on site and interview these witnesses. So they, the group did a, a good job of uh, investigation and left us amazing records. Um, but Kehoe, uh, in terms of scientific investigation, you could say that Kehoe definitely had confirmation bias. He believed they were from outer space and piloted by aliens. Uh, but you know the rich his secretary Richard Hall was a pretty uh, pretty amazing guy uh, working behind the scenes and uh, he was quite rigorous. Um, he actually uh, wrote uh, UFO evidence uh, a book I think it's around 400 pages long. Uh, they went through, I think, 3,000 cases, uh, maybe, yeah, th I think 3,000 cases and picked, you know, maybe 10% of the best ones uh, and got a copy of the book in the, every member of into the hands of every member of Congress. So the group did amazing work. Unfortunately, Kehoe was uh, apparently pretty inept with finances, so they were constantly in financial trouble. Uh, at one point in the book, I mentioned that uh, he he writes a letter in the uh, UFO Investigator, their publication, thanking a um, a member for giving them twenty five hundred envelopes, which he says uh, marked a uh, a sizable uh, cut in our expenses this month. So oh boy, they, we can get yeah. more into Major Kehoe and what happened to him as head of NICAP with Charles Lear. We're looking at the Flying Saucer Investigators. These are the early people who got involved in looking into the field. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Kurt Collins. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. 
Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Ukrainian and British officials are warning that Russian forces are relying on weapons able to cause mass casualties. Justin Crump, a British military expert and veteran British Army tank commander, telling Sky News that Russia is using whatever they could get their hands on. I guess Russia is figuring there aren't that many enemy ships to deal with, um, so they are using these missiles in their secondary role of land attack, but they're not brilliant at that. Um, It's a further indication of how Russia is having to use everything at its disposal to keep achieving its ends. The UK's defense ministry says Russian bombers are likely launching heavy missiles in Ukraine that were primarily designed to destroy aircraft carriers using a nuclear warhead. Inflation got worse, not better last month, hitting a high not seen since 1981. That caused Wall Street to close down at the end of the week, marking another losing week. This is USA Radio News. The nationwide average for a gallon of regular gas topped $5 overnight Saturday, according to AAA. That's 19 cents higher than last week and $1.93 higher from this time a year ago. Some places are paying well above $5 a gallon. The highest average for a gallon of gas is in California at $6.43 a gallon. In Mississippi, they have the lowest at $4.52 a gallon. After that, inflation hitting its highest levels in four decades. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says consumer prices have surged 8.6% last month. The cost of groceries up nearly 12%. Rent also up by 5.5%. President Biden blaming Russia and its war against Ukraine. But we've never seen anything like Putin's tax on both food and gas. Economic experts also pointing to money from COVID stimuluses, as well as the Fed for not acting sooner to control inflation. You are listening to USA Radio News. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-848. Two five nine zero. That's eight three three vital ninety. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about ninety for life for years. Sixty minerals, sixteen vitamins, twelve amino acids, two fatty acids. You may not know this that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need ninety for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling eight seven seven two seven nine nine four two two. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The early days of the UFO field, Charles Lear is with us talking about Major Kehoe, who was not such a great financial manager. I heard that around his sofa, they would find old envelopes with checks in it. Oh, that's awesome. No, I never heard that. But eventually, NICAP dismissed him around the time that the Condon Report came out. Yes. 
Tell us about the, the difference in perspective between these groups, because I know, for example, Kehoe was pretty much a nuts and bolts guy, and he didn't want to hear anything about contact stories. So what were the what were the other groups like? Well, not only did he not want to hear contact stories, he didn't even want to hear about humanoids. He, he thought that anything other than the craft uh, hurt the credibility of the report, so he didn't want to hear any of that. Uh, whereas APRO, they were all about humanoids. They loved their humanoid stories. So that's a huge difference between the two groups. And Kehoe caught a lot of flack from his membership uh, for ignoring significant cases. A great example. Uh, well, the funniest example was uh, what he got into with the Joe Simonton case. That's a case from uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin, 1961. Uh, this plumber, part-time chicken farmer, Joe Simonton, reported a flying saucer landing in his driver driveway, a door opening up, him seeing three humanoids, as she described as swarthy like Italians. Uh, the first one he saw basically used sign language and gave him a, a container and uh, asked him for water. So he went and got him water. Uh, and then as he's looking in, he sees the other two humanoids and sees one on a griddle, what looked like a griddle, making what looked like pancakes. The first creature sees this, hands him the four pancakes. So Simonton went to the local flying saucer expert, Judge Franklin Carter, and because he had attended just one lecture of Carter's, Carter had a ufo club and was a member of nightcap so he went to franklin carter and told him his story and carter asked for a pancake for analysis and simonton gave him one carter sent it off to nightcap with a letter explaining the case and then immediately turned around and told the press uh, that nightcap was analyzing this pancake from outer space <laughs> <laughs> well kehoe <laughs> just flat out denied they were going to have anything to do with this. Uh, they were also in the process of getting the UFO, uh, UFO evidence, the book I mentioned, uh, finished and into the hands of Congress. Uh, so they didn't want to deal with this at all. And the membership started coming at Kehoe, saying, you know, how could you ignore this case? And, you know, they, they really hammered him at the same time. Colonel Robert Friend, a former Tuskegee Airman, was head of Project Blue Book at the time, and he saw this story in the paper. He heard, uh, heard about this story, I think, from a local uh, people at a local air base in uh, Wisconsin, and he uh, called J. Allen Hynek and said, you know, I think you should get out to Eagle River, Wisconsin. Uh, because this um, could turn into a nuisance case. Uh, I think NICAP is looking into this, and they'll accuse us of ignoring it. <laughs> so Heineck goes out there and does an investigation, uh, gets a pancake, <laughs> and gets it to the Food and Drug Administration for analysis on our tax dollars. And also uh, another uh, independent, uh, I think people from the local air base got another uh, uh, out to another lab. So you had our government doing two analyses of these pancakes. They, they turned out to be uh, like buckwheat, typical pancake stuff, uh, you know, flour, Crisco, hydrogenated oil, as they put it, uh, salt, etc. So 
Kehoe was under pressure and uh, they sent one out for analysis. The scientist died. They sent it back to uh, Lex Mebane. Uh, he got it, uh, who was a former civilian saucer investigators member. Uh, that actually, that was a very important group early on, too, along with uh, Flying Saucer, uh, International Flying Saucer Bureau and APRO. But anyway. By the I mean, way, that was the original CSI of New York. Yes. It yes. wasn't the lousy TV show. With Eric right. Sinise, who's a good actor. It was back in the 50s and early 60s. And I read some of their newsletters, which I once had, except for somebody who threw away the file cabinet that I stored this stuff in. And they were just brilliantly researched and written. Yeah. So uh, in any case... Uh Mebane wanted to do another analysis to the tune of, uh, I think, $180 uh, and another one for, you know, like another uh, hundred something. Yeah, I think about a hundred bucks. And uh, so uh, Richard Hall, you know, I think Kehoe, whoever wrote the article for the UFO investigator basically said they couldn't see spending $300 on pancake analysis when they had more important things to do. But they were still hammered by their membership for the way they handled this case. So the Air Force actually came off looking really good and NICAP came off looking really bad. So that's like one example where they're, them ignoring humanoid cases really hurt them. Well, the Hills, of course, it was took a while for them to recognize the Hills. Yes, 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 it did. Yeah, he actually has a little, they have a little in like the back of the UFO investigator, just a little thing saying, you know, uh, we're, we're looking into this. Uh, we're withholding judgment. And, you know, uh, you can just really feel the sense, the reluctance when you read the uh, article. There was an article in Saucer News back in those days by a guy named Michael G. Mann, who was a researcher from Brooklyn, New York. And he was also engaged in some of the hoaxing that Jim Osley did with Gray Barker. But in this particular case, he had written something about how close will Major Kehoe let a UFO get. I read with that, the, yes. <laughs> with the emphasis on cases like Simonton, but also the Hills. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that also affected them with uh, the Father Gill case, um, where Father Gill was an Anglican priest in uh, Boinai. <laughs> uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, 1959, and he and a bunch of students and a bunch of teachers saw uh, not only a craft, uh, but men on top of the craft, four of them, who waved at them, and they waved back. Uh, he reported this. It went all over the world. Everybody was super impressed by the case. And uh, again, Kehoe was and NICAP were reluctant to even deal with it. And they got angry letters saying, you know, you're going to doubt the veracity of a man of God. <laughs> you know, How dare you? What's wrong with you? So. Yeah, so his, he was set, his policy was such a hard line that, you know, he obviously was rejecting even credible witnesses in that case. And uh, so I wanted to ask you, though, while, while all this was going on, the Air Force saw that these clubs forming and these people writing books. How did they respond to having civilian UFO researchers? Uh 
how did they, they they were part of their their PR problem they didn't they didn't come at them directly. They're, they're, they didn't make statements, uh, you know, to the press belittling them uh, at all, as far as I can see. If you know any better, please let me know. But um, they knew they were out there. And, you know, they, they put out uh, press releases debunking major cases they were working on. Uh, the 1957 waves, great example. There were all the... Uh, the the automobile uh, outages in the midst of uh, seeing a, a huge craft uh, around Leveland, Texas. All these cars just stopped working. That's one of the earliest uh, recorded examples of this. We've got to break okay. with Charles, Gene, and Kurt. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game, Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Okay, 25,000 cheering extras. 
Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Now, I recall you can amplify on this, Charles, where Kehoe was really taking off on the way the Air Force handled Leveland, Texas. Yeah, uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Kehoe's man in the field was a guy named James Lee. (laughs) And James Lee uh, had spent a lifetime of reading esoteric books and uh, had beliefs like uh, that tornadoes were caused by the leftover energy of God creating the earth. Uh, And he also drove around uh, George Van Tassel's Flying saucer convention and his uh, what he called his space mobile, which I think was a big old Cadillac with an infrared uh, detector to make sure that no aliens were um, listening in on the convention. So uh, James Lee was NICAP's man on the uh, on the scene at that point. Boy, so the uh, the Air Force though. Uh, well, I, you, you talked about their reaction. There's one, the one thing I know, um, in the files of Blue Book, there's a newspaper picture, it's a clipping, and someone drew a Hitler mustache on Kehoe. So I don't think they liked him very much. <laughs> <well. laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his staff, though, uh, was very endearing. I've talked to, um, Barry Greenwood, uh, and, and they, you know, everybody called him the the major. I've heard uh, good things said about. Him. I, th- I think he he had an incredible memory, and you know, so th- there were people for him and against him. I'm sure, but you know, people, as we all know, in this field, people can uh, can get ugly, and and really turn on somebody they don't agree with. Well, when you you mentioned the occupants, and in the Kenneth Arnold sighting, and some of those early ones, they all they were saw were saucers. Now, when did the story of humanoids and, and encounters start coming in? Uh, well, I would say um, the Flatwoods Monster case was probably your first one. That's 1952, um, as far as I can tell, uh, and. Uh, 
you know, then the Kelly Hopkinsville incident in 1955, where you had these uh, goblin-like creatures that harassed this poor family for an entire night, uh, reportedly. Um, and uh, the the things really took off in uh, the 19. Uh, 1957 was it 57 french wave i think there was a or 54 i was i think it was uh yeah the 1954 french wave there was a wave of humanoid sightings in france uh report after report after report uh hairy dwarves uh men in uh what they called little men in diving suits um so there was report after report of humanoids and that's uh Kehoe was coming up. Um, excuse me, Valet was coming up during that time. Uh Amy Michelle M. A. Michelle had just written a book, so he was the that country's flying saucer expert at the time. Um and uh Valet wrote him a letter and uh basically praising him and uh Valet jumped into uh investigation with both feet. Um but, yeah, that would really mark the beginning of uh, – the major beginning of humanoid reports. Um, and then after that was the Kelly Hopkinsville incident here in the United States uh, down in Kentucky. Um, and so, you know, things took off from there. So these clubs, they were – they were publishing newsletters and magazines about this, and and obviously NICAP was more conservative. What were uh, what were some of the best and worst of these magazines, and and who was behind them? Um, <laughs> I, I I think they've all got their value one way or another, either amusing or uh, uh, serious. Um, you know, you had the Gray Barker doing the Saucerian. Uh, which, you know, I think whimsical is the best word for that, along with some, uh, you know, genuine uh, reporting. The APRO Bulletin, um, they uh, they had some very good reports. Um, I, you know, I, I, my personal favorite was the uh, APRO Bulletin in terms of a serious investigation. Um, but, you know, there was a uh, uh, gribble. Uh, uh, he was a young kid, and he started the uh, very first I, – I forget his first name. I think it's John Gribble. Um, he started a magazine. Robert Gribble. Robert Gribble, yes, thank you. He started a magazine, uh, and Orfeo Angelucci was one of his contributors. Orfeo Angelucci was a contactee who told amazing stories of being given this elixir by these, you know, beautiful space maidens and just seeing all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, so, you know, he was a contributor. So that, you know, and you, you take that in terms of credibility uh, for what it is. Um, but, you know, just in, in terms of credibility, you know, I, I would say probably the best at the time was, uh, the UFO investigator and the, the APRO bulletin, um, you know, throughout the, fifties uh, and early sixties and, you know, throughout the fifties and sixties. Um, but I, um, yeah, in terms of the worst, uh, I probably haven't read them, uh, so I have something to look forward to. Where would you put Saucer News, all this? It wasn't quite as extreme as the Saucerian, and except for the fake feuds, it was very serious. Yeah, um, 
And Jim Mosley is a special case. You know, he, he called himself a uh, flying saucer skeptic, uh, or, or skeptical ufologist, I believe, in later days. Um, well, he also called himself the court jester. Yes, that too, exactly. So, you know, he had a lot of fun with it, and, uh, you know, his... his um, uh, publication was a, a mixture of gossip and uh, messing around, uh, uh, perpetrating hoaxes, uh, and uh, serious uh, investigation. He was actually, uh, I think, the first guy to really come out and uh, debunk, try and debunk uh, Georgia Damsky. Um, right. So, you know, the... the but you know that, that that's that's a really fun magazine to read, especially in the later days. He, he's just, yeah, he's definitely the court jester. Well, of course, some of our listeners know. For about two years, I was his managing editor at Saucer News, and it was a paid position. I go to school during the day, then shoot on over to three hundred three Fifth Avenue, where Jim had his headquarters, and some of the things that Jim wrote, I wrote. Because one of the crazy things I could do in those early days, I haven't done it since, was emulate the writing style of different people like Mosley and Barker and Jack Robinson, people like that. So you may not know this, that some of the pieces credited to Jim and Gray and Jack in Saucer News around 1965 or 66, I wrote them. But it doesn't make a difference. It's just one of them things. Well, I'm, I'm torn between being disillusioned and fascinated. <laughs> That's about it. I think we could both agree on that. I would say also that I received $5 an hour from Jim. It doesn't sound like a lot of money. But this was at a time when the minimum wage was a dollar and a quarter. So it was like me getting $40, $50 an hour. That's great. Yeah, and just think I'm living at home with my parents, I'm making this money, I'm traveling. I think my smartest move, or stupidest, depending on your point of view, was to leave New York and get into broadcast radio, where I had to take a salary cut. But Jim, as you say, he pulled a lot of stunts, but in 1957, he ran the Adamski Expose issue. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, he he talked to uh you know people around Adamski and uh got some uh, got some dirt, you know, as to nobody really saying they saw Orthon, the uh, Venusian he claimed to have met, um who subsequently took him aboard his scout ships. Uh he got information that uh Damsky had uh, definitely hoaxed certain pictures. Um and, yeah, he wrote, th- wrote that all up. Now, so, in terms of the hoaxing of the pictures, there was a magazine from New England called Yankee Magazine. Kurt will right. remember this. And they duplicated Adamski's photos using light bulbs and, what, a hubcap or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, mostly references that, doesn't he, in the uh, 57 article? Yes, he has a picture in the magazine showing you how close it was to what Adamski did. So, And you also look at the fact that I don't think any other UFO photo looked quite like that one. Charles Jean and Kurt in the Paracast.
Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The early days of the UFO field. Explored by Charles Lear in his book, Flying Saucer Investigators. A lot more to cover. And I wanted to kind of dovetail back to Ray Palmer, which we barely mentioned, Palmer and Shaver. One of which is because... Palmer had this section in Flying Saucer magazine called Saucer Club News. And Mm -hmm. it was so fascinating because this is where you'd advertise your saucer club and you meet other people around the country. They'd write you. Most of my friends to this very day, I got from that magazine and that section. Oh, that is so cool. That's where uh, Barker and uh, isn't that where how Barker and uh, Gray Barker and uh, Albert K. Bender hooked up? Well, I know that Barker had a column there called Chasing the Flying Saucers. Okay. So, yes, I think that's the case. We'd have to go grab a copy if they knew too much about flying saucers from Barker. Barker was kind of an interesting case because he'd play these hoaxes. He and Jim would get together, have a few drinks, and pull stunts. But, and you talk about the straight letter. I want to ask you to amplify that in a moment. But... Before Barker became disenchanted with flying saucers, he wrote some very serious stuff. 
Yeah, uh, they knew too much about flying saucers. Is an investigation of the Flatwoods monster is all in there, and it's a good investigation. He started off a very serious investigator. Uh, he actually uh, kind of recaptured some of that when he looked into the uh, Mothman case in 1967, 66, 67, uh, down in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And there was a lot of tomfoolery uh, in between. So a uh, straight letter being one example. Well, he's been called a mythologist. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Mosley said he uh, viewed UFOs as a branch of entertainment. So I think that has something to do with it. And and so maybe he was a part time serious researcher. Yeah, I like that. I like the term folklorist. Uh, yeah. I th- and, uh, you know, I think that's an absolutely valid way to view all this. And uh, Barker was uh, quoted uh, by uh, uh, Alan Greenfield as uh, when asked, uh, you know, what he, uh, you know, what his beliefs were. And he said, I believe in everything and nothing. And I think he was earnest in that. Alan Greenfield, by the way, is another person who announced the Flying Saucer Club in Saucer Club News. That's how I got to know him, by the way. Uh, Oh, wonderful. Yeah, you also knew uh, Timothy Green Beckley, too, didn't you? Oh, for so many years. Or as Jim Mosley called him, Timothy Greed Beckley. (laughs) But Tim was really an interesting character. And if you looked at all the commercialism, you'd figure this guy's just in it for the money, which he was. But he also had a serious interest. If you listen to the times Tim appeared in the PowerCast, and he's no longer with us, but when he appeared on the PowerCast, he was, was always very serious. In fact, one of our guest co-hosts, Tim Swartz, used to work with Beckley and used to do a lot of writing with him. But yes, Beckley himself was an interesting character. And when I left Saucer News, Beckley took my position. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Exploring the Bazaar, which is, uh, uh, you, uh, you can find it on YouTube. He did that with uh, Tim Swartz. And yeah, they, they have some really good, serious interviews. Uh, they do a great one on uh, uh, Gray Barker, along with uh, John Houchin, uh, I think his name's John, uh, who uh, maintains the uh Barker, the the Gray Barker archives down at the uh, Clarksville Harrison Public Library. I actually got a chance to visit him too. He's a, a, an amazing guy, David Houchin. That's his name. Uh, and yeah, he was very, very gracious. So yeah, uh, but yeah, that it was a, a really good show, very serious uh, and great information. So yeah, I, you know what, what I like about Beckley is. Um, you know, he, he he didn't have any pretense about who he was or how he approached the subject. And but yeah, he 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 could be serious. Uh, you know, when it was time to be serious. By the way, I was just looking this up when you talk about Mosley and Barker. Our friend Bob Sinati, he's staff announcer here. He did a radio show at a college radio station back in the early to mid '60s called Coffee Clutch. And we have this interview in the Paracast Plus area for the premium subscribers featuring Gray Barker, Jim Mosley, Jack Robinson, August Roberts, and Dominic Lucchesi. Oh, wow. 
And has that been uh, uploaded anywhere, or you just uh, have it? It's available if you're a subscriber to the Paracast Plus at the Paracast <laughs> Plus. It's oh, an hour and 18 minutes long. We also have a vintage show which appears to be out of copyright from Long John Nebel that we're going to post in a real short period of time. It's like over three hours worth, and the sound has been enhanced. It sounds really good. And Jim Mosley and Gray Barker and Stuart Robb, who was a psychic investigator, are on that show, and that's also from, I think, the 60s. So that's going to be up in a little while. But it's really fun to hear these people. Oh, yeah, definitely. God, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Now, you talk about the straight letter here, and I think you should tell the story here because Gray Barker nearly got himself in some real difficulty there. Before we start, I I wanted to say one thing about this now, just for the listeners, especially people new to ufology. In the early days, there were no UFO documents. They weren't, you know, all you had was testimony and newspaper stories. There weren't uh, blue book case files or things like the MJ-12 supposedly leaked documents. There was, you know, we didn't have anything like so. So this possibly is the first phony UFO document. Okay, yeah, I, I never, I didn't, never thought of it that way, but yeah, I think you're right. Uh, first, yeah. Um, so what happened <laughs> is a uh, young friend of Gray Barker's, uh, I believe his father worked for the State Department, and he got a bunch of uh, State Department stationery, and Gray Barker and Jim Mosley, probably drunk, uh, wrote. Uh, a bunch of letters on the stationery. Uh, they wrote a letter to um, uh, APRO uh, telling them they, they should cease operations because of a coming postal crackdown, I believe. Uh, they told CSI that they had been uh, infiltrated. <laughs> and uh, But the most famous is a a letter um, that was signed R.E. Straith, um, uh, from the State Department saying uh, to, to George Adamski, saying, um, so for those listeners who don't know, George Adamski claimed to meet a Venusian named Orthon and to have been taken aboard his uh, scout craft. And uh, he was uh, the first really big contactee. Um, in any case, he the letter to George Adamski, uh, praised him for his work, uh, said, we support you, but we can't do publicly, essentially. Um, and Adamski and his followers immediately held this up as a uh, validation of his experiences and his work. Uh, and that caused a bit of a furor in uh, saucerdom, and everybody was trying to figure out who wrote it. Um and what's really funny is the back and forth in all the publications, the April Bulletin. Uh, I don't recall UF, the UFO investigator getting involved in this, but mainly the April Bulletin, uh, Gray Barker and uh, Saucerian, uh, and of course Jim Mosley, uh, all started, you know, pondering this letter uh, in their publications, and particularly uh, Coral. Uh, the Lorenzans and APRO in uh, the APRO Bulletin. Let's do our break here as we explore 
the implications of this very strange hoax from years ago by Barker and Mosley called The Straith Letter. With Charles and Gene and Kurt, you're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. 
anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. The strength letter being talked about in the UFO magazines, APRO, Jim Mosley, Gray Barker, of course, they were the ones who perpetrated it. Now, I would mention one thing in passing, where they found out who did it. Gray Barker had a very distinctive writing style that he could not mask even while drunk. Go ahead. Okay. Well, um, this actually... Um, uh, I think this is this led to the uh, is rumored to have been part of the reason Bender shut down the International Flying Saucer Bureau, um, and I, I heard this uh, a good speculation from David Houchin on this. Anyway, um, what happened was the, since it was written on State Department uh, uh, stationery, it was a federal offense, um, and. A man had an epileptic seizure in Clarksburg. Uh, he had a no identification. Somebody lifted his wallet, but he did have one of Gray Barker's uh, business cards, uh, International Flying Saucer Bureau business cards. So according to Barker, an FBI agent visited him. Uh, according to David Houchin, uh, who keeps the uh, the archives, it was more likely a local cop or a local detective. In any case, Barker uh, just said, you know, this guy got my card somehow, but he was spooked. Barker's immediate reaction was to smash up the typewriter. Uh, Jim Mosley writes about this book in Confessions of a Grave-Robbing Ufologist. Uh, and he took, smashed up his typewriter, took it, and stuck it into wet cement on a construction site. So the story, according to David Houchin, is Barker wrote a letter uh, to Bender and also um, another investigator in Washington, Reverend, name escapes me, you know, saying, look out, uh, I've been investigated by the FBI. And I had a visit from the FBI. Well, the Reverend in Washington was taking pictures all over town, some of which were at classified installations. So he was visited by three men who actually were FBI. He wrote a letter to Bender as well. Uh, according to Houchin, Bender was on vacation. When he came back, he found these two letters and from that, he put together the three men in black st story. Uh, I think this spooked him enough that, and so uh, David Houchin believes this, uh, that this spooked him enough to shut down the Bureau. But when you read 
the APRO bullet, you get a sense that they pretty much know who did this, who else but Jim Mosley and Gray Barker. Gray Barker and Jim Mosley had a pact that neither of them would reveal this hoax until one of them died. Gray Barker died 1988, I believe, and Jim Mosley published the confession uh, in saucer, uh, saucer smear at the time uh, with a copy of the letter, uh, and he wrote Exhibit 1 on it. So, yeah, that, that one letter uh, really uh, played a big part in UFO history, especially for shutting down the International Flying Saucer Bureau, if that story is true. Well, you know, also Bender came out with a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men, where he claimed the three men in black were ETs. Yes, yeah, or real ethereal beings with glowing eyes. And, yeah, and also having erotic massage by space maidens. Um, they came from the planet Kayak, I think. Yeah, I actually speculate in the book that because uh, I couldn't find Bender's middle name anywhere. You can usually find it on a gravestone like uh, Coral Lorenzen's, uh, Coral E. Lorenzen. I went to her, uh, found her gravestone and online, and it's Coral Elsie Lorenzen. Albert K. Bender's still got the K on his gravestone. So I speculated in the book that maybe his middle name was Kayak. Uh, if anybody has information on that, I would love to hear it. You know, Bender lived a really ripe old age. He died in 2016 at the age of 94. But after the 60s, when this book came out, he pretty much gave up anything related to flying saucers. Also, we should mention the book was very heavily edited by Gray Barker. So I just wonder how much Barker contributed to this strange tale. Uh, yeah, or maybe the erotic massage. <laughs> well, so Gray Barker, his book, we talked, mentioned it briefly earlier, uh, they knew too much about flying saucers. There's a lot of men in black in that, and I think that helped popularize it. And I think it also introduced, I don't know if it introduced or maybe it, it just kind of spread some kind of UFO paranoia. Uh, and some of the things we think now about government secrecy and covering up kind of stem from that. But at the same time, the FBI was in, investigating some saucer people because they thought maybe they were involved in communism, fighting the bomb and promoting peace when that wasn't considered very American. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cole Lorenzen was a staunch anti-communist. Uh, the, the, the members had to sign uh, and. You know, a statement saying they weren't affiliated with communists at all from the very get-go, uh, the early days of her uh, APRO. Um, and that, that, you know, she actually accuses uh, Bender of shutting down the bureau because uh, um, the, the government had accused him of being a communist. So um, that was a big deal. But it's also, you know, there's some validity to that, and I think throughout uh, um, the history of ufology, UFO groups um, have probably been infiltrated by communists looking for leaked information. Uh, you know, a UFO report is a UFO report, so if it's describing, um, you know, advanced weapons technology, and, and these are the guys who are getting it, and who are getting leaked information, that'd be the place to be. So there's a very good argument for that. I'm going to tell a quick story here, which has nothing to do with flying saucers, except peripherally because 
the person I'm mentioning is someone who would follow me in my UFO travels, a guy named Marty. So Marty and I, on a few occasions, visited the Russian mission to the United Nations in New York City. And it was fascinating there because you get information about the country. This was during the heyday of communism. And as a point of fact, my mother's family and my wife's family, our grandparents, all came from Russia and then migrated to the U.S. in the early 20th century. So one day, my friend Marty and I visit the Soviet mission. We we're maybe 18, 19 years old. And then he announces his intention. He said this seriously, and I really look for a table to climb under. He said he wanted to defect. Ooh and advanced the communist mission in the U.S. And they looked at him and thought, you know what, this kid is crazy. And they basically ignored it. They wanted to change the subject and were only too happy for him to leave. But that was weird. Well, yeah. Seriously. Very serious. In fact, it's so serious we have to break now for a serious break. With Charles and Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets. 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Ukrainian and British officials are warning that Russian forces are relying on weapons able to cause mass casualties. The UK's defense ministry says Russian bombers have likely been launching heavy 1960s era anti-ship missiles in Ukraine. These missiles were primarily designed to destroy aircraft carriers using a nuclear warhead. Justin Crump, a British military expert and veteran British Army tank commander, tells Sky News that Russia is using whatever they can get their hands on. I guess Russia is figuring there aren't that many enemy ships to deal with, um, so they are using these missiles in their secondary role of land attack, but they're not brilliant at that. Um, it's a further indication of how Russia is having to use everything at its disposal to keep achieving its ends. Meanwhile, the governor of Luhansk is accusing Russia of using flamethrowers on civilians in a village in his eastern Ukrainian province. This is USA Radio News. Pete Arredondo, the Uvalde School District Police Chief who has been under fire since the mass shooting at an elementary school in Texas, broke his silence to the Texas Tribune. The interview was done over the phone with his attorney on the line. Arredondo told the outlet that he never considered himself the incident commander. 
James Barragan is one of the reporters who interviewed Arredondo. He spoke to CNN. He is telling, or at least he told us in our interview uh, definitively that he went in there. He never thought he was the incident commander, never identified himself as the incident commander, and really never gave an order for any officers to stand down for breaching the room. Officials with the Texas Department of Public Safety described Arredondo as the incident commander who made the call to stand down and treat the incident as a barricaded suspect. Arredondo told the Texas Tribune that he called for assistance and asked for an extraction tool to open the door. The chief's interview comes as thousands marched in Washington demanding Congress enact more gun control. You're listening to USA Radio News. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? Are you one of the millions who have taken Zantac or other generic versions of this popular drug to help treat stomach issues? Then pay close attention to this message. The FDA said it detected low levels of a probable cancer-causing chemical known as NDMA in Zantac and other generic forms of this popular drug. They've banned sales and even removed it from the market. If you've been diagnosed with cancer and you've taken Zantac or a generic equivalent, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call now. 800 998 And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now you know about my crazy teenage years. Charles Lears has flying saucer investigators with lots of interesting people. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Heavy focus here on Jim Mosley and, of course, Gray Barker. Ray Barker being a pioneer where basically we learned about the men in black in they knew too much about flying saucers. John Keel later picked up on it, but then they came out in the 90s, someone came out with a graphic comic book about the men in black, which was sold to a motion picture company and became a multi-billion dollar film franchise. Neither Keel nor Barker benefited in any way that's kind of sad yeah but yeah they they didn't invent it they just reported on it so or so the story goes yes yes so uh, we talked a lot about the things in the 50s and of course there's a lot more in your book but you know one thing i wanted to ask you about in your chapter all eyes on socorro which is about the famous 1964 sighting in new mexico The response by the Air Force was probably one of its most intense investigations. Now, what do you think about it uh, made that case such a hot property to them? Well, I I think Quintanilla, Hector Quintanilla was the head of Blue Book at the time. Quintanilla was a staunch skeptic. Um, Anything he could do to put a story down, he did it. Um, So... What's really interesting to me, by the way, this book was written in Magdalena, New Mexico, mostly, uh, which is where Lonnie Zamora, the uh, key witness, was a police officer. 
he was born and raised there. Uh, so I actually got to speak with uh, people who knew Lonnie Samara, which was awesome. Anyway, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, I- I'm sure your listeners know about Sakura. I don't have to go into that, do I? Well, just some of the, you know, the highlight um, that, you know, there was uh, this craft and there was a couple of occupants seen. And and apparently there were physical landing, uh, physical traces in the sand or. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, Lonnie Zamora uh, was chasing a speeder on Highway 85. He hears a roar from the direction of a nearby arroyo, and because the mayor's dynamite shack was in that area, he broke off to go and investigate. He drove up a hill on the side of the arroyo. To his left, about 800 feet away, he saw what he thought was a white craft, uh, oval shape. Uh, now, he saw what he thought, thought was a white car standing on end, and he also saw two figures dressed in what he thought were white coveralls. He called in and went to help, and as he got closer, uh, he pulled up, he dropped the mic, he goes to pick up the mic, and he hears another roar, and this craft rises up out of the royal until it's level with his car. There's flaming coming out the bottom. He turned to run behind the car, he banged his leg on the car, dropped his glasses, crouched behind the car, shielded his face. The... The roar stopped and he looked up and then this thing moved off slowly towards the southwest. He called into headquarters. He talked to uh, operator Nep Lopez, asked if he could see anything out his window. Nep didn't. And Sergeant Sam Chavez was listening in. Uh, He was with the state police. Um, And Chavez got to the site within three minutes. They went down to investigate. Saw four smoking bushes, no, four charred bushes, and they saw four landing impressions, uh, rectangular. Um, so, you know, you had two witnesses to the trace cases, but only one witness to the actual craft and creatures. The thing is, is Lonnie Zamora's reputation as an honest man was rock solid. Uh, and that's what this case really hinged on but the trace evidence didn't hurt but the thing is is this was investigated by a local fbi agent uh, in an unofficial capacity state and local police local military personnel and then uh jail and heineck was sent in the uh, cons- uh, scientific consultant to the air force yeah, we should mention here, because if people have seen the television show, they think he was out in the field all the time. But that was not that was not the case. I mean, originally he was a consultant and it was very unusual for him to go into the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh, mostly uh, what uh, the Project Blue Book personnel would do. But, uh, yeah, in this case, uh, Heineck went there. Um, I think. uh uh, Kevin um, Kevin Randall uh, tells the story that uh, on the way to um, from Albuquerque Airport down from Albuquerque is probably the uh, Air Force Base, Kirtland Air Force Base. Uh, on the way down to Socorro, the uh, Air Force car got a flat and Heineck had to hitchhike the rest of the way. <laughs> but in any case, um, Heineck was so intrigued by this case, he came back to Socorro twice on his own on his own time. Um, and a lot of people think that this is the one that uh, really helped uh, 
turn him into more of a, a believer that there was something really strange going on. Um, but Quintanilla was dead set on finding what this craft could have been. And he asked everybody and, you know, he had the clearance to know this sort of stuff and came up empty, you know, lunar landing craft, uh, you know, experiment, just some sort of experimental craft. Uh, Cause there's so many facilities around the area. It's right around the corner from white sands missile range on uh, their testing facilities, military bases, uh, nothing. They, they could find nothing. Um, but, you know, just the sheer number of people that investigated this case is is pretty staggering. Uh, actually, uh, one of the funniest quotes uh, from uh, Zamora, Zamora, he got hounded by the press. And, you know, there are some recorded interviews with him, but I, I heard from somebody who knew him a really funny quote from him. He was asked, uh, Mr. Zamora, were you in a state of confusion? He says, no, sir, I was in the state of New Mexico. <laughs> well, that's uh, So one of the things that, that uh, Dr. Harnick said about him was that that he was a you know, straightforward, serious, and fairly unsophisticated man and unlikely to be fabricating anything. And so one of the and so often you you um, especially critics of Project Blue Book say they're so quick to say it's a mistake or a hallucination. But they obviously took this seriously that it was something mechanical and they accepted the witnesses absolutely credible. So this was this was a pretty standout case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should also mention uh, Ray Stanford uh, was an investigator on this case as well and wrote a book about it, uh, A Socorro Saucer in a Pentagon Pantry. Uh, and a funny story with Stanford is that Heineck, uh, they wanted to take soils, Heineck wanted to take soil samples. And Stanford, who was actually allowed to uh, come to the site and see for himself you know, Heine, the, the, the police didn't want to let him but Heineck said no 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 let him come in and it turns out uh, Stanford actually had collection vials so he loaned the scientific <laughs> consultant for the Air Force the collection vials for them to get soil samples um, so and uh, yeah Stanford uh, was uh, working on behalf of NICAP at the time Stanford was an it is He's a regular reader of my blog uh, at Podcast ah. UFO and occasionally chimes in when I make a mistake. So thank you, Ray. Stanford's the kind of guy who doesn't suffer fools gladly. If you make a mistake, he'll tell you about it. Yeah. We, I've only we had some of our most days. fascinating episodes on the <laughs> Paracast with Ray Stanford. But then he has supposedly all this solid evidence of UFO reality. But what's unfortunate about it is that he refuses to reveal more than a smidgen of it, except occasionally to carefully selected people. And that's sad. Hopefully he'll do it before he's no longer with us to do it. We've got Charles and Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. Patricia, excellent herbal formula. I use Extendivite to keep my cardiovascular system fine-tuned. Brian, I'm using Extendivite, and for me, it has made a world of difference. God made all these nutrients in the ground. Enough said. Cami, five stars. I feel a lot of energy since I started taking Extendivite. TR, five stars. All I can say is, Extendivite works. Buy it, try it, and see for yourself. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 
This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, I know we covered this only briefly at the beginning in talking about the Flying Saucer Investigators, Charles, and that's Palmer and Shaver. And because of Fate Magazine and Palmer being one of the co-founders with Kurt Fuller and Mary Fuller, he was a pioneer in spreading the word on UFOs. Yeah, yeah, he... um, uh, He had the Kenneth Arnold story written by Kenneth Arnold, edited by Palmer. And he also had, um, that, that, that was a premier issue of fate. Uh, he also had the, um, Maury Island story as well, written by Kenneth Arnold, edited by Ray Palmer. I do that all the time. Um, so yeah, uh, he had the first flying saucer story. It was, uh, quite a while after he, uh, uh, there was paper rationing going on, on the, the time so he was unable to uh immediately publish the story but he got right on it and he also uh tied it to uh tried to tie it to the uh richard shaver stories as richard shaver mentions these uh craft down in the uh, tunnels of the darrow um richard shaver uh, basically um claimed to that there were uh detrimental uh what he called detrimental robots really uh devolved uh creatures living in the uh tunnels in the earth that controlled us up here on the planet uh, up on the surface with detrimental rays uh, mind control rays telegrays rays uh, yes and uh but they cruised around in these craft in the underground uh, tunnels, and so Arnold tried to tie those, and Shaver as well, tried to tie those craft to flying saucers, uh, and use it as proof of the uh, the Tarot and Darrow stories, the the Shaver mysteries, it was known. Well, Gene, yeah. So most people think that this now this was published. Uh, these stories were published in, in like 1947, maybe to eight or nine, but. They were pretty popular in flying saucer circles. But weren't they into the the 60s still having Shaver fans? I met Shaver in 1975. Was was he into his rock paintings at that point? Yes. In fact, we got some of the rock paintings and some rocks and some equipment to view them. This is my first wife, Geneva, and I were putting out a magazine late 60s through the mid-70s. We interviewed Shaver, by the way, and he was an awfully nice guy, by the way, and a fairly Mm -hmm. decent writer. And he would just churn out the stuff, and it was fascinating, and we'd publish it. But maybe we were on the wrong kind of medication. (laughs) But we could see, looking at the rock books, something there. Now, later on, you think crystalline pieces, objects used to store knowledge, and then you just have to watch Superman the movie, 1978, where he uses this crystalline object to build this fortress of solitude, and that's part of the legend of Superman from then on, the TV shows, the movies, always using that crystal, 
And then even some of it's used in Stargate SG-1, crystalline sources of storing information. Of course, silicon. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Palmer and Shaver were writing about this decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. So they had, you had extraterrestrials with advanced technology underneath the earth and you're kind of a divergent race. And, you know, a lot of these ideas were kind of fell out of favor, but have worked their way back into UFO lore. So, you know, it's a huge influence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but, you know, on the human side, the relationship with with, uh, Palmer and Shaver, Shaver, you know, uh, Palmer said flat out that uh, Shaver was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia uh, at a, I think, I believe it was a science uh, fiction convention. Uh, And, you know, uh, he was in two hospitals, at least two hospitals. Uh, So, you know, we can pretty much safely assume he was a paranoid schizophrenic. But Palmer gave him this outlet. He was able to write um, and he got better and better and better as a writer. And he had this outlet and he had, you know, support and, um, you know, fans. And Palmer basically gave him a life, which is just wonderful. And Palmer stuck by him. They remained friends all the way to the end of Palmer's days. Uh, and on Palmer backing him up on the Long John Nebel show, you know, Palmer saying that he believed he was pushed down some stairs by some Daros. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, getting to the human side of this whole thing. That's really touching. I interviewed Palmer at his home in 1965, and he brought up the mental institution thing. And there are other reports that the family may have railroaded Shaver into the mental institution. At least that was the theory of one book author who was on the PowerCast some years ago. The book was called War Over Lemuria. It was written by a guy named Richard Toronto, and this was featured on the July 7, 2013 episode of the PowerCast, and my ex-wife Geneva was on there as we all brought out memories of Shaver and Palmer and those strange, strange years. In any case, he reveals this but says, I still believe Shaver. But Shaver took umbrage to that. I think for a while they were on the outs over this. Wow. So this goes back to uh, the uh, a lot of the contact cases, people have speculated, well, maybe this is not a physical contact. Is this something like, uh, you know, a spiritual encounter or a vision? And, you know, Shaver, Shaver in so many ways was a pioneer, and we're still asking questions about that today. Well, the the Borderline Sciences Research Association, arguably the first modern UFO report uh, from 1946. Uh, they were totally esoteric, or not totally, but their members were very much into theosophy and uh, other esotericisms. Uh, Mark Prober was founded by Mead Lane and Mark Prober. Uh, they basically wanted to take a, uh, a scientific look at um, paranormal phenomena and mysterious phenomena, from but also with a you know. We'll look at it by any means possible, including uh, uh, what Probert called uh, clairaudience. So, you know, 
and you know the spiritual and the esoteric goes way back in ufology. The Swedish uh, that uh, uh, Klaus Spahn uh, writes has written extensively. Klaus Spahn is one of the members of UFO Sweden, and he's also. Uh, helps run uh, uh, the Archives for the Unexplained, which is an unbelievable archive in Sweden. Um, David Marlowe likes to call them the Vikings because they come to America and raid and pillage and take all our, all our archives away from us over to Sweden. But Klaus Fahn uh, writes extensively about um, esotericism and ufology. So, you know, the, the esoteric and the spiritual, you know, and ufology just that that's is definitely an approach and an approach people still use today. Klaus Fon, by the way, was on the Paracast, our November first, two thousand fifteen episode. So Donald Kehoe had none of that. However, <laughs> some others do, and uh, you could say that that uh, in a way, if you want to know the the modern person carrying the legacy of this was uh, Robert Bigelow. He embraces a lot of the same kind of stuff, and maybe in different ways. You know, the paranormal is, and supernatural are part of what he thinks UFOs are, and this greater whatever presence that is we're encountering. Mm-hmm. Have you um, seen uh, Alan Stevelman's uh, Witness of Another World? No, what's that? Oh, it's a case about this uh, kid. He's uh, son of a gaucho and became a gaucho himself in Argentina. He had an encounter, I think it was 1972, um, maybe a little later. Um, but uh, he had an encounter with a UFO and an occupant taken on board and uh, then left. Um, and he went to tell about it and he was ridiculed. Uh, and he, to the point by his family and friends and the community, and to the point where he ended up living alone on a farm. We're going to have more of this in our next segment with <laughs> Charles and Jean and Kurt. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Tormay, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So in the middle of a presentation, we rudely interrupted Charles Lear. He will forgive us for it because he may not continue. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So he ended up living alone, and Alan Stiefelman started investigating UFOs, and he got wind of Juan, went to visit Juan to talk to him with no intention of making a movie about him and ended up making a documentary about this guy and his experience. He found out that Juan had uh, a connection through his grandfather to some indigenous peoples, uh, a tribe. I think the tribe was in Peru. He made arrangements for Juan to visit with them and talk to him about his experience in terms of their uh, spiritual worldview. And they put it into context of that, and it all made sense to Juan. You know, tears came to his eyes, but you can see Juan turn from a stifled 12-year-old boy who was never able to grow up past his experience into becoming feeling like, you know, an adult, finally, a man. And it's it's a very, very moving uh, film. Uh, And it's yet another example of tying this phenomena into the spiritual. You know, one of my speculations and thoughts is that you know, these are uh, the gods telling our technological society, uh, you know, you haven't killed us. We're still here. Knock, knock. So that's one way of looking at it. The other, Ray Palmer, said flying saucers are here to make us think. Yeah, that's a very good quote. I think flying saucers are a great uh, gateway to science in general <laughs> in order to deal with them, you know. To look at them, look at the whole phenomena critically. You need to know science, or it helps to know science. And in, in, in any case, it's definitely inspired a lot of people. I mean, I think most people would immediately go to science fiction is what's been inspired. But you know, people have pursued scientific careers to further their interest in UFOs. So, you know, that's that's one benefit, one real world benefit. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, I've heard investigators say, you know, yeah, I, I went to become a, an astronomer so I can investigate UFOs, and heard that's not a thing. 
So earlier you were talking about the work of NICAP and how that the uh, they were lobbyists basically. So that kind of took hold in the mid '60s or so, and there was ufologists were optimists. Uh, optimistic about things because there was a congressional hearing and there was a scientific uh, study, but all that crashed and burned. Now, how did it all go wrong? (laughs) Uh, It's been speculated, never conclusively proven that the, the whole scientific study was a setup. What happened is there were all these sightings in Dexter, Michigan. Heineck went down to Dexter, Michigan to sort things out and you know see what was up. And he had a hell of a time. He couldn't get past the reporters to talk to witnesses. His jaw was broken and wired shut for a period. And yeah, he was in distress. Well, he came up with an idea that one explan- possible explanation was marsh gas uh, igniting in going out and then another pocket of marsh gas lighting and going out and this causing movement. He, Quintanilla, Hector Quintanilla wrote um, in a, uh, I forget what the the title of it was, but he he wrote about this in uh, an unpublished work. And he said that Heineck called him and told him uh, he consulted with his peers and uh, that he thought marsh gas was uh, the answer. And he wanted to hold a press conference, which the Air Force hadn't done before this. So they hold a press conference. Heineck brings out various explanations, you know, the Venus and uh, being mistaken and brings up the marsh gas. The press ran with marsh gas, uh, but they called it swamp gas. And I found actually in the video, there's video of the press conference, and I I looked at it carefully. I never heard him. He says marsh gas. He never says swamp gas. He he might have said it outside of the uh, what's on video. But in any case, the press ran ran with swamp gas. Gerald R. Ford was. Um, Minority, a Michigan boy, uh, I think he, he was, uh, yeah, he was a representative of Michigan in Congress. He was also a House Minority Leader. So he had some clout, and he got uh, a congressional hearing in going in Congress, and they hauled the Air Force in to explain themselves. The Air Force, uh, they said that there had been a... Um, a group of scientific consultants and recommended them get an outside contractor to do a scientific study. Uh, This was, I think, around 1964. It's now 1966. So this is now on the public record, and Congress is under pressure to, I mean, the Air Force is under pressure to actually get this going. So they look around, and they finally got together with the University of Colorado, and a committee was formed headed by Dr. Edward U. Condon, who was a very renowned physicist, and they began an investigation. Well, the scuttlebutt is that the fix was in, that uh, they were confident that Condon would come in with a negative report and recommend the Air Force get out of the UFO business, which is exactly what happened. And this, of course, uh, sent uh, the UFO investigators and a lot of the public into a bit of a furor. 
Um, and it also led to a symposium in Congress uh, where a lot of people came in to testify that, you know, that there should be continued scientific research on UFOs if even if the Air Force wasn't investigating. Actually, uh, the, the Lorenzans uh, in the April Bulletin, Jim Lorenzen specifically, Coral's husband, uh, said, well, you know, it's good. Now we no longer have the Air Force to uh, blame for all our problems and we can get down to uh, what we should be doing, which is investigating UFOs, not uh, bashing the Air Force. So that was that. Well, that's one thing about APRO. It wasn't so involved in a dispute with the Air Force over UFO evidence. That was Kehoe's stock and trade. Yeah, uh, Jim Lorenzen actually played devil's advocate uh, when the report came out and said, you know, no, he, he played devil's advocate. Uh, he played devil's advocate when the um, what was called the trick memo came out. Uh, that was a memo written by Robert Lowe uh, when they were trying to pitch this to uh, the University of Colorado to, you know, accept the funding for the Air Force to get the study going, basically saying the trick would be to make this appear to be, and I'm um, paraphrasing, the, the trick would be to make this uh, appear to be a legitimate study uh, and essentially, you know, we'll come to the um, – uh, you know, we'll, it'll will appear as if we're actually investigating this seriously, um, with no expectation of coming up with the answer that these are aliens from outer space. Uh, that's totally paraphrasing it, but that's well, basically it. Yes, that's basically it, Kurt. Oh, I was going to say it was interesting that APRO had that that viewpoint that you know now we can do our job, but whereas most people thought you know that they had been betrayed by the Conan report, and and it seemed that the they were turning the lights off on the UFO phenomena, and uh, you know, but it didn't it didn't kill off ufology. I mean, the controversy about the, it being closed uh, went on for a long time, and, and it seemed like reports continued, and um, the, it, the interest by the public remained strong. We got more with Kurt Collins and Gene Steinberg and our special guest, Charles Lear. It means you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. No matter if supply lines are down, 
product deliveries are slow and that most everything costs more these days. You still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender scented hands-free neck wraps. Or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps. Great for seniors. Again, there's no shipping delays from Sunny Bay. Find our new products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, and sunny-bay.com. Just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. All our products are great for men or women, are reusable, and easy to clean. Remember, just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. Order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from Sunny Bay. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. In the 1800s, there were 160 spas set up in Europe to dispense fresh liquid whey. The sick would recover their health and the age would become rejuvenated. There's only one whey protein powder on the market that can generate and surpass the results seen in the whey spas in Europe. But first, let me tell you the story of 90-year-old Mary, who was semi-bedridden and in hospice care. Mary had been consuming only a pea protein and pasteurized milk drink. Then Mary was put on to Green Meadow Whey mixed with raw milk. She was given two to three whey drinks per day. On the very first day, Mary was up and came into the kitchen and made chicken soup. She was on her feet for many hours. Three days later, Mary had gained two and a half pounds of healthy weight. Green Meadow Way is health-giving to both young and old. Green Meadow Way is guaranteed to make you feel better, stronger, reduce your inflammation, and eliminate virtually all toxins from your body without feeling sick. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's B-E-S-T-W-H-E-Y protein.net or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to give you a URL that can and will change your life. You will simply investigate it and look into it for your own self. Do your own research. This is an absolute 360 win for GCN, for American Tax Solutions, and for you. Ladies and gentlemen, these are top tax lawyers that will deliver you super service very, very quickly and change your life. The average person can save up to 90% on their taxes. Visit GCNTaxCut.com. That's GCNTaxCut.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? And Craig Collins was talking here of the aftermath of the Condon Report, where even though the Air Force gave up on Project Blue Book, people did not stop seeing UFOs or talking about it. Go ahead. One of the big things that followed was the uh, in 1973, the uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi abduction case, and there was a huge revival in UFOs. But at the same time, though, NICAP was fading away, and, and I think a lot, of, a lot of the UFO clubs and their magazines were struggling. It's just a strange thing that, that the, uh, the popularity of the topic was near its peak, but the uh, ufology was kind of anemic. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, MUFON, uh, when did MUFON start? That Was that in the, the late 60s? 69. By the way, it was founded by, I guess, disgruntled APRO members. Yes, yeah. I'm, exactly. Yep. yep. Walt Andrus. You know, I had a very interesting thought that just occurred to me uh, yesterday about what's going on now with uh, UFOs in Congress or UAPs. Uh, you can't put an ology after UAP. So, yeah, my thought was um, the testimony in front of Congress by uh, the Navy representatives, uh, the main thing they were emphasizing was destigmatizing reports, destigmatizing reports. And it occurred to me, you know, the, the whole question of does the government know more about UFOs than uh, us, you know, I'm a researcher, but, you know, than private investigators. And I think that answers the question. If they, if there's a stigma against reporting UFOs, then Department of Defense is prevented from getting a lot of information because of that. And consistent reports of, you know, there being no official means to report UFOs. Therefore, you know, they're hamstrung when it in terms of getting information on UFOs, whereas the only place the public has to go to, and including members of the military and the police and other officials, is private organizations. So it's my belief that the private organizations have far more data and far more testimony than the government could possibly have. That's my speculation for the day. Well, if you believe the Pentagon UFO study, the first sighting occurred in, what, 2005? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't want to see all the UFO history. But do you think what's happening now, are we in another cycle, the same thing with, uh, you know, the congressional hearing and, and this new UAP task force, which has a new name, AIMSOG, I think they're calling it. You know, <laughs> is, is, this, is this a cycle? And are we back in this again? Well, you're an historian yourself, Kurt. I mean, I, you've seen all this before. Both of you have been through all this before. What do you think? I think it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think uh, the, the Air Force is uh, kind of laughing at the uh, Navy for stepping in the deep doo-doo because <laughs> they're, they're now in a, the same public na relations nightmare that the Air Force had spent, you know, over half a million dollars getting out of. Yeah, it seems like a, like a poorly cast remake. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. So, uh, well, so earlier I asked you about about the Condon study and and where where it went wrong. I mean, was there a chance for it to, you know, if the fix was in, it couldn't have succeeded. But you know, what what would you have liked? Uh, what could we have done differently? Anything? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 some good stuff did come out of it. There's actually in the report. There's, uh, they did some good testing about the possibility of uh, electromagnetism stopping car engines. Uh, and they found there's only a, a couple of components uh, in a the car engines at that time that would have been affected. And uh, I didn't. I don't think they found it 
it plausible that uh, enough electromagnetism could shut down cars and lights. So, you know, they at least ruled out one thing. The most interesting thing I found, in, well, I mean, that there was some, you know, there were some interesting studies done in that. Uh, and there were also, you know, people open-minded to the idea uh, who, you know, hadn't made up their minds beforehand. And that was actually caused a big schism. Uh, whereas, you know, Lowe and Condon were just, you know, uh, anti. The, the, there were researchers there that were, you know, open-minded enough to consider it. I've heard the, uh, a lot of ufologists uh, use the what's in the Condon study to further their research. The, the, the main flaw in it seems to be the conclusion that Condon wrote that was so negative. And if you tear those pages out, it's a much better study. If it's, uh, I think it's pretty damn sloppy, quite frankly, uh, for you know a scientific study. Uh, I don't think that'd get published in any peer-reviewed journal today. There, there are I, what they do with ball lightning. You know, I mentioned that in the book. You know, the, the, their whole treatment of ball lightning is reads just like a. A flying saucer book, you know, proselytizing the reality of flying saucer. You know, all their evidence is anecdotal. Uh, there's no scientific evidence that, uh, you know, ball light, especially at that time, I'm, I'm pretty sure there still isn't. There's no scientific evidence that ball lightning exists, that it's a real phenomena. And here they are in a, in a scientific study. Uh, arguing for the existence of ball lightning based on anecdotal evidence, which I find hysterical. Yeah, it's it's almost like blaming UFOs on a witch if from the evidence they had. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that, but there are some... Uh, what was really cool is they uh, had Leo Sprinkle uh, put Hermit, Herbert Shermer under, uh, hypnotic, under hypnosis as part of the study. Uh, Herbert Shermer was a police officer. Um, was that Dexter, Michigan? Um, I can't recall, but yeah, yeah, he was so a police officer who had a UFO encounter a, a, along with a contact. Uh, and uh, the most uh, best quote from him is that during the contact, he was told by the uh, entities, uh, "Or we want you to believe in us, but not too much." <laughs> But his case is in in the Condon report, as well as uh, the case, the Falcon Lake case with Stephen McCulloch, uh, Stefan McCulloch, who uh, got burned uh, in, on the uh, chest and stomach by a classic flying saucer taking off and releasing hot gas through a, uh, a vent that was a series of circles in a square, you know, in the series of small circles in a square pattern uh, and that pattern was uh, left on his belly in forms of uh, burn marks so the, they investigated that they came up with pretty negative conclusion about it because uh, McCulloch had difficulty leading them to the exact spot and also there were uh, fire towers in the area and none of the fire watch uh, reported seeing anything either we got more to come with Charles, Gene and Kurt in the Paracast you are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
Here's a question for you. Why is it that some people aren't as stressed out about the future as you'd think they'd be? Answer? They're probably among the millions of Americans who have prepared themselves with emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. If the worst ever happens, literally millions of American families are already protected from dealing with empty store shelves. Is yours? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and grab some emergency food kits, at least one for each member of your family. These kits give you a wide variety of delicious meals that average over 2,000 calories per day. Everything stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Order your kits now by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your order will ship fast and arrive discreetly in unmarked boxes. Listen, this is something you need to jump on now, before the next news headline stuns the world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. USA Radio News. Officials say up to 200 Ukrainian soldiers are being killed every day since Russian military began its attack on the Ukraine. The numbers have grown since Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky put the daily death toll up to 100. Officials are suggesting the only way they will be able to make the Russians turn back if the West help with weaponry. Speaking of weaponry, French President Emmanuel Macron has said his country, quote, will remain mobilized to meet Ukraine's needs, including heavy weapons. This was all confirmed during a call with President Zelensky. The two also discussed humanitarian and military support. This is USA Radio News. The U.S. government is buying more monkeypox vaccine as surprising international outbreaks continues to grow. Health officials have identified 45 cases in 15 states and the District of Columbia. More than 1,300 cases have been found in about 30 other countries outside the areas of Africa where the virus is endemic. Even though officials have stated the risk to the American public is low, they are taking steps to assure people the medical measures are in place to deal with a growing problem. U.S. inflation accelerated to a 40-year high. Topping all estimates, shelter, food, and gas were the largest contributors. This is USA Radio News. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. Here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or 
GCNTaxCut.com. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Yes, lots of fascinating cases to talk about, but if the fix was in, it wouldn't matter how fascinating they were. Right. Condon was actually really into the the silly cases. He loved them. He actually attended uh, Jim Mosley's uh, UFO. Con- uh, I think uh, I think he called it the um, Congress of Scientific Ufologists. Uh, but that yeah, went on for a number of years. Congress of Scientific <laughs> Ufologists. I was one of the right. founding members back in oh, the mid sixties, yeah, right. and right. Jim ran this for several years. And he became permanent chairman for a number of additional years, although he didn't sponsor the convention. But the big one was 1967. And that Mm. was a mess for Jim. It was not very well organized. And they probably had good attendance, but people snuck in and didn't pay. Right. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I think he broke even on that one, right? Uh... Was that the one where he invited Kenneth Arnold, who was living in Australia at the time, who insisted on flying first class, and the whole thing would have cost uh, Mosley, uh, you know, around twenty five hundred dollars? That's right. So he he, and it was supposed to celebrate the anniversary of Arnold's sighting, and that what was intended to be the guest of honor didn't make it. So. Oh, boy. So one one thing I wanted to ask you about was, and actually this question comes from our listener, Richard Hawkins. He says, with the the 1960s characters in ufology, uh, he wanted you to talk about those. So these people basically grew up with saucers, you know, whereas the, uh, you know, people in, in the original, the 1940s, it was something completely new to them. But if you grew up with it from your childhood, how did that shape them? And and what was the influence, you think, in the way that these people passed on to the next generation? That's a really good question. Uh, you know, it'd be pure speculation on my part. But a big thing about the original disc reports is that they weren't necessarily definitely thought of as being from space or space aliens that did get associated with it but there was still the idea that you know this there were human inventors behind these they were uh weapons um you know there there are actually there's a huge spate of cases right in 47 where people were finding discs all over the place i mean and bringing them in because people were offering rewards for them and they they, they, you know hoaxes and fakes uh there was even a um, a catholic priest brought in a a saw blade (laughs) with i think a couple of uh uh condensers uh stuck on it but in any case, you know, the, yeah, the idea that these are some mysterious, uh, that th- these are from outer space and piloted by aliens, uh, that developed. And, yeah, the, the, the people growing up, once that got established, I'm sure that affected them. And the, the also, you know, gave them a bit of confirmation bias in their uh, investigations as well, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, Keel actually... Um, broke out of that 
coming from uh, John Keel, uh, who wrote the Mothman prophecies. Keel actually uh, kind of uh, broke out of that. He came into it as a, an outsider. He was a 14, which meant he was just in the paranormal, uh, strange phenomena in general. Uh, comes from uh, Charles Fort, who wrote about this kind of stuff around the turn of the century. Uh, his fam- the Book of the Damned and uh, Lower, two of his most famous ones. I, I think he wrote four. I don't know the titles of the other two. But he actually took scientific reports, uh, newspaper stories of what he called the damned, uh, stories that science ultimately pushed aside as being implausible. Uh, So people who were into this kind of stuff uh, ended up calling themselves 14s. And John Keel was a 14, first and foremost. So while everybody was looking for an alien solution to the problem, um, you know, as the mystery had developed throughout the end of the 50s, uh, Keel came at it uh, from another point of view. And uh, I think, you know, came up with some groundbreaking ideas. I should mention very quickly here, the first time I met John Keel was in the mid 60s in Jim Mosley's office. And he was doing an article for, I think, Playboy. Don't know if it was ever published. By the way, the Book of the Damned, there is a public version of it now because it's way, way out of copyright. And the introduction says it all. A procession of the damned. By the damned, I mean the excluded. We shall have a procession of data that science has excluded. Yeah, I, I, my favorite quote from uh, Charles Ford is, if there is a universal consciousness, must it be sane? <laughs> That's what Keel said, by the way. Yeah, Keel said very I, much the same thing, that he was talking about ultra-terrestrials mm-hmm. and suggesting they were not quite sane. I, I hope I got that right. That might have been a quote from Keel, actually. Yeah, so... Both of these guys were open to much broader ideas where, where so many people, especially the, the, the people that followed uh, NICAPs, the flying saucers are real mantra, you know, refused to think much of anything else. So, you know, there's there's some and, you know, maybe maybe there are some flying saucers from little men from other planets, but there might be other things in the sky and other energy and consciousness that that account for some of these other things or psychological factors. Yeah, you know, there's probably not an easy answer for everything. Yeah. There are a lot of wild and wool UFO stories, and I wanted to know what what was your opinion? How can we get the public to focus on uh, evidence based cases rather than some of the sensational things? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think we've got a big problem right now with uh, critical thinking. Um. Uh. You know, I, I, I believe ancient aliens is uh, seriously damaging people's minds. I, I have nothing but contempt for that show. Well, it's a reality show. What do you expect? 
Uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, there's a, a wonderful four hour video uh, this uh, young man put together called Debunking Ancient Aliens. And it's a great lesson in critical thinking and, you know, points out what they do. Uh, things like the straw man ar- argument, you know, some people say, uh, you know, and then say saying something ridiculous and say, are they kidding? You know, without saying who those people are, uh, there's the false dilemma saying, you know, how could you possibly drill a hole in granite in 2000, you know, BC? Well, the Egyptians were doing that, you know, and case after case after case. Uh, so, you know, I think people really, we really need to emphasize critical thinking again. Uh, and I think especially ufologists uh, should, you know, really do what they can to, to get the word out that, you know, this is speculation, and you know, I'm, um, I as a writer, you know, I write a blog every single week, and I write about the most ridiculous cases because I love them. You know, give me a humanoid reports. I actually have to discipline myself not to uh, write about humanoids every single time, um, and you know, the, the crazier the better. But when I do it. You know, I said this is according to uh, according to this witness, uh, according to this article, and I cite my sources, um, and I don't speculate as to whether they're real or not. And I said, you know, these are the facts. And speaking of the facts, we will be discussing on this weekend's episode of After the Paracast someone who was once prominent in the field of ufology before he more or less discredited himself, and that was William Moore. Of course, he was prominent in the Roswell case with (laughs) Charles Lear, the flying saucer investigators. Not UFO investigators, not UAP investigators, flying saucer investigators with Gene and Kircher in The Paracast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. 
Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com, or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Let's continue with this. So you continue to look into humanoid cases, Charles Lear. Do we see anything recent? It seems that a lot of those cases are becoming long ago and far Uh, away. Very no, very recent. Case in New Mexico. While I was there, uh, 2020, a couple of guys were up hunting. I forget which mountain range it was, uh, up in the northwestern New Mexico, I believe. Um, and yeah, they said they saw this uh, big old, what they thought was a tent set up for a movie shoot. And, and then they went down, it was out, uh, down a hill and then up a hill. And you know, it was out of view for a bit. When they came up the hill, it was gone. Uh, and then one of them claimed to have uh, seen some uh, strange creatures dressed in weird clothing out in the uh, bushes as he was, uh, you know, scouting around for game. Uh, that's a very recent report. Like I said, 2020. 
another great report from Florida. I think this, I want to say maybe 2019, a woman in Florida, she saw this creature uh, said it had a really big jaw, like uh, compare our jaw to a pit bull's, it being the pit bull, and uh, dressed in a spacesuit, saw it climb up an invisible ladder, <laughs> seemed to hoist itself up into an invisible something, and then the invisible something like just closed off and it was gone. Yeah, they're still coming. That one couldn't really be one of considered one of them, but the people that have seen strange creatures and things like that, or you know, even on the cattle mutilations and other other weirdness, these might be things like Charles Fort talked about. But since we have we're in the flying saucer and UFO era, people are always so eager to try to include that into the the UFO phenomenon. Do you think that that's overdone? And did Charles Ford, should we go back to his approach? I honestly don't think in terms of should. I, you know, I, I like to approach the subject as, as an historian. You know, when I write as uh, you know, with as much journalistic integrity as I can muster, uh, which, you know, I, I, I try and write sticking to the rules of journalism as, as you know, being not having studied it. Uh, I haven't been to college. Uh, so, you know, I, I've learned from the, the interwebs uh, what journalism is supposed to be. Uh, in any case, in terms of should, and uh, for me, I like I like a plausible story. It's more enjoyable to me. The, the, the tricky thing with this whole subject is that in a great part, it's entertainment. In the book, I mentioned that seems to really have happened uh, with the Long John Nebelt show more than any other time. Long John always treated it as entertainment. I don't think he ever took it seriously, but he took it seriously because it was a paycheck for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Nebel was just kind of a, a ringleader. Or ringmaster, depending ring on master. your point of view. Yeah, that's what I meant. It was around that time that ufology really got divided into... Two camps, you know. Well, you know, that there's just, you know, where's that line between, you know, hey, I'm going to make a few bucks, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to my integrity. But once the money comes into it and, you know, the, the your readers uh, or your viewers, you know, start getting bored with what you're telling them, the temptation to embellish is there. Um so, right, but you know, anyone in a profession has to put food on the table so they have to earn a living. And the question is here, are they doing things to earn a living that take them out of the ethical ballpark there? And you think journalists, more sensational stories, doctors, do they have to treat more patients? What is it? But there has to be a point where you say, okay, you have a certain degree of ethics and you do your job. And then you let's see what happens. You don't try to embellish yeah. it. Whereas if you become famous as a contactee, an experiencer, there is a temptation to add details. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's in, in all professions. Uh, you know, the, the you, you come upon uh, that line where your integrity is tested. So in uh, ufology, there, there are those whose integrity... Um, stands the test of time, but it tends mostly to be the ones who are making a living at it, from what I can see. 
you don't want to retain your integrity, just be a politician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the old, uh, how do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. Um, but, you know, some some have integrity, absolutely, and are serving their country faithfully. You know, I don't want to put down everybody. But for me personally, my the way I most enjoy this subject uh, is to approach it um, with as much journalistic integrity as I can muster. Um, and uh, to be as accurate uh, an historian as I can be and cite my sources. And actually, one, one of the things I, I did, I, I cite my sources in the book, probably not really properly academically, not being an academic, but as best as I could learn. Uh, but my main purpose for doing that was to be able to give the reader a jumping off point where if they want to explore this this subject in that manner themselves, to tell them where all these wonderful archives are all over the web available. Uh, you know, the archives for the unexplained. Uh, type in files.afu.se and you'll get magazines and documents from all over the world. Uh, go to NICAP.org. They've got case files there and publications free go to qfos.org same thing uh so i i put that information in the book for the the reader to go on the same journey i did which was just you know fascinating best way being if you want to learn where to go with this field find out where it started otherwise you just repeat the same old mistakes again doomed to repeat the mistakes of history yeah, and then going down the same blind alleys that other people went down and said, no, 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 come back this way. You know, there's still people like in this day and age who want to insist that George Adamski told the truth. And I heard from a person like this who wanted to be on the uh, Paracast, and I said, wait a minute, didn't you realize this guy was exposed years ago? I sent a link to the version of the Saucer News a Dampsey expose issue, and Kurt and I run a site called jimmosley.com, and I never heard from that person again. Listen, Charles Lear, for those interested in your work, where can they check you out? I write a weekly blog for podcastufo.com, Martin Willis's site. Uh, he also, I do an audio version of that blog, I call an audio blog, that's on Martin Willis's YouTube site. And, uh, of course, there's my, my book at Amazon.com. It's available in audiobook, uh, hard copy, paperback, and uh, in German. <laughs> well, glad you have a translator. By the way, there is an online translator, by the way, for Klingon. So you can have a Klingon version. Awesome. Awesome. Flying yeah. Saucer Investigators. I'm not going to repeat that. We've got the translator link, by the way, in the Paracast forums. You can convert everything into Klingon, and then we can really enjoy it. You'd be surprised how that changes. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Look for the Paracast or the Paracast Fan Club on Facebook. You can also get branded merchandise featuring the Paracast logos. We have a bunch of logos. You pick the logo, then you pick the product, the T-shirt and the mug and the cap and all the other good stuff. Check out the Paracast.shop. The Paracast.shop. And we also offer the Paracast Plus. The Paracast Plus features this show 
free of the network ads and the After the Paracast podcast, where we'll be back to talk about an article at Kurt's Blue Blurry Lines.com site about the strange goings on involving William Moore and others. Hmm. We're also offering a special deal. Use the coupon code UFO20, that's UFO20, to get a 20% discount for a five year or lifetime Paracast Plus subscription. Go to theparacast.plus for more. Theparacast.plus. Charles Lear, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. It's been an honor. Thank you very much for having me. Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs> <laughs>